The format <laughs> used to be, let's talk about headlines in the news, what's going on in the world. And we we would spend, we spent, I don't know, we would have meetings like for like seven hours just talking about, okay, what is the point of our episode? Is the point to teach students how to research? Yes. The point is also to teach students how to communicate effectively and analyze the news beyond just reporting on the facts that we find on the internet. And and we wanted to provide a professional opportunity in the global current for people to develop all kinds of skills. You're listening to the Seton Hall Undergraduate Leaders Podcast, the only leadership podcast run by undergraduate students dedicated to helping undergraduate students lead in diverse fields. From people in diplomacy to entertainment, from CEOs to student leaders, we feature people from all walks of life. It's all part of the mission. Here at the Vecina Leadership Institute, we make leaders better. Hello, and welcome to the Seton Hall Undergraduate Leaders Podcast. My name is Kaida Jesus, and I'll be your host. Today, I'm talking to Jasmine DeLeon as part of our interviewer series. You can find her work in her episodes with Anthony De Palma and Catherine Tinker. Now, she's the executive producer for The Global Current, another Seton Hall podcast that focuses on modern-day international relations issues. She's also done written work for The Setonian, The Diplomatic Envoy, and The 74 Media. Jasmine, welcome to the show. So... What made you start the leadership podcast in the first place? When I was a freshman, there was an event at the diplomacy school with a New York Times editor and journalist, Anthony De Palma, and I couldn't go to the event. So I went on LinkedIn, messaged him and said, hey, I'm sorry I can't come to this event, but I would still love to talk to you because I was interested in finding ways to bridge my interests in international relations with journalism. So I met with him and it was an informational interview, and I didn't know that that's what that was at the time, but I had so many questions, and he was really inspiring. He was an amazing journalist, and I learned a lot from that conversation, and I was really appreciative of his willingness and openness to answering my questions. So I remember that the Institute had this leaders podcast. I felt that what he had to share would be really helpful for students. So... I texted him and convinced him to come onto the show. And I learned a lot from that experience, how to recruit people, how to find guests, and the fact that each and every stage of the production process matters. And that made an impression on me. And I wanted to keep doing podcasts and keep getting better. And I'm really proud of the first show. So after that, I said, you know, I can keep doing this. I can do this. I want to keep making podcasts for the Institute. So... You've done a lot of different content for a lot of different organizations. What are your influences when it comes to what you create? I think that I feel inspired when I'm learning new things and being challenged with information that I haven't heard before. So each person who I interview has something that they can teach me and teach the audience that I'm making the podcast or writing the article for. And I love when the conversation flows. I love when I can somehow find a balance between listening to what someone is saying and preparing for the next question. And I just love that it helps me be a better listener and be a better storyteller. The idea of like being a good listener, it's something that everyone strives to be, but on some level it's a little bit abstract. What does that mean to you to be a good listener? To bring in your own biases and assumptions and just listen to what someone is saying about their experiences or about their insights because people's opinions and their views are valid. And 
And I think listening is about recognizing that what each and every person has to say is important and is something that should be valued. So you do the global current now, like that's the main thing that you do, I think. And obviously the format is different from this podcast and uh, the global current. What differences have you seen in terms of show prep and hosting? Right. So the global current is Seton Hall's only international news podcast. I'm the executive producer. I started out as an analyst and it's a very different kind of format because we have weekly shows where students, two students and the host will sit down and analyze a developing news story. So like, for example, the Saudi Arabia and Iran restoring relations. Someone is going to cover Saudi Arabia and Iran's history together. That's the domestic analyst. And he's going to talk about the history of that relationship, what that looks like today, what brought them together. And Someone who's the international analyst will talk about the role of China in being a broker for this agreement, being a mediator in this agreement. It's a very different kind of podcast, our weekly shows, because it's more research-heavy. You're not just researching, for example, on this show, the guest, Mr. DePama. You're not researching just his career, his writings. You're researching the history, the politics, the dynamics of a story and the country from multiple angles. And you're bringing that to the podcast each week. We also have a similar format. We have different kinds of podcast shows that we publish. So we have current reports, which is something that I started this year, where students will go to an event and come back and analyze the event together. So, for example, the United Nations General Assembly president visited Seton Hall this semester. And I thought, you know what, this would be a a great opportunity for us to learn how to cover an event. So I sent two students to the event and I had my host and producers, we all worked together and collaborated on a script and the students came into the studio and instead of analyzing an international news story from multiple angles, we analyzed the content of the event. So that's a second kind of episode show that we have. The third kind is very similar to the leadership podcast where we interview leaders in international relations. So someone I interviewed this semester, her name's Bumi Anikinisotu, and she is the deputy director of the Rangel program. So I talked to her about her career and also her insights into the field. So it's different kind of work because they're different kinds of shows, but each show requires different kind of preparation. Though production is is just the same, that there's a lot of preparation in Obviously, I do my own research before each guest comes on the show, and so does the rest of the interviewers. But I often go in with off-the-cuff questions that I come up with on the spot. How much improvisation is there in an average Global Current episode, or is it all just pre-planned on the host's end or the analyst's end? So it's not all pre-planned, but to ensure that the analysts have the proper and also enough research to be on the show... The associate producers work with them on creating a talking points document. Talking points of the research of the conflict or the story. Talking points that have to do with how they've analyzed it. And if the associate producer feels, okay, this is enough for them to get onto the show, then we'll send those talking points to our host. And our host creates a script with questions that bridge the 
talking points of both analysts. So the analysts haven't communicated before the show and they haven't shared their talking points, but the questions that the host has allow the analysts to find places to meet in their in their discussion. There's a degree of having an organic conversation that we want to maintain, but also preparing enough so that people don't feel super nervous and they don't know or feel like they know exactly what they're walking into. So I think like if I was an analyst, one of my biggest fears was that I didn't prepare enough. Before you send your draft into your to the associate producer, how do you know if you prepared enough? What are the signs that you usually see? Oh, so we have a talking points example so that people know what the associate producers are looking for, but we also have a guide for them. So, for example, the war in Ukraine right now is an example because a lot of people are talking about it. We'll have on the document saying, okay, you're the domestic analysts, so analyze the history of Russia and Ukraine's relationship and look at how that's affected their relationship today. That allows people to focus on what they want to focus on. So some people might want to focus on the specific effect of this war on women. Some people might want to focus on the effect on migration in Europe. So that that's people's choice. So what they want to focus on, they can, under the, that respect scope. And people bring their different interests to the show because sometimes they want to, they look at it from a specific angle. And I really love that that people can find things that they're interested in within every story. And that's what they bring to each episode. So I'm so curious, how did the production team create this Talking Points document? So when I joined the Global Current as a freshman, I was an associate producer. I worked a lot, so many hours actually, <laughs> with our executive producer and our other associate producer on completely changing the format of the show. So this format where we have two analysts, the format <laughs> used to be, let's talk about headlines in the news, what's going on in the world. And... We we would spend we spent I don't know we would have meetings like for like seven hours just talking about okay what is the point of our episode is the point to teach students how to research yes the point is also to teach students how to communicate effectively and analyze the news beyond just reporting on the facts that we find on the internet and and we wanted to provide a professional opportunity in the global current for people to develop all kinds of skills. So it did take a really long time, actually, and I'm really proud of it. And one of the things that came out of those conversations was, okay, how do we teach students how to do this sorts of research? How do we teach students how to be better public speakers? Okay, let's create a talking points guide so that people know what they're looking for. And let's do a practice show so that we can sift through what students are going to be thinking about and seeing when they come onto the show for the first time. And that led to the talking points guide, the talking points example for analysts. It also led to us creating a new kind of opportunity, which is a news briefer. And this was an idea that I brought in because I took this journalism class and learned about how to write broadcast news scripts. And I really loved the what I learned about like writing as you speak, writing in short sentences. And I wanted to provide an opportunity for students to not just analyze the news and learn how to be better at researching, but also to understand how to write headlines and and do a different kind of skill that you're tapping into. I'm so curious, what made the Global Current change its format back in your freshman year? 
we had a new e-board. I just had so many different ideas and so did the other producers and it just led to conversations about like oh how can we make this better and that was i think that was where i came from was oh what how can we make this better how can we make the opportunities for students on the show even better than than they were before and what makes a good podcast that was a conversation that we had for for many weeks is what can we do to make a good better podcast than what we have right now so now that we know about what makes a better podcast? What make, What's the hardest part of running a podcast? Well, I think I came in as an associate producer, which is a different kind of skill. Now I'm the executive producer, and I don't say that it's... I wouldn't say that it's hard, but I would say that it's a lot of work, and it can be challenging to run a team of 10 people. When I came into this position, I wanted to create two exclusive teams, an outreach team to promote the show, to promote the club, to plan events, and promote ourselves on social media, get the Global Current podcast out there more. And then our production team, which is what I have always been involved in. And I meet with each of these teams. So I have two meetings a week, one with each of them. And then we have monthly meetings with our e-board. And it's a lot of work to tap into two different skills one which is more focused on event planning and marketing and another which is focused on production and I love both and I think that it's just it's just a lot of work I really enjoy it though it's all worth it and I think that something that I've found and learned through being a leader in this club is what is important to me as a leader for example making sure that each and every person on the e-board feels like they have a voice and feels included in the conversation and also just that what I do with my club and the the things that we do the opportunities provide for students is helpful to them I've learned a lot I think that even though it's challenging that it is a lot of work and there's a lot of meetings and a lot of my time it's still worth it so I believe we mentioned before we started recording that you also help train the hosts and the analysts for the Global Current. And part of what we've been discussing is how the Global Current is supposed to aid students into learning how to public speak. What's a common piece of advice that you have for first-timers going on the show? Well, I always tell people that it took me several months to even sign up for a show because I was so nervous that I would do a bad job. And I think that what I want people to know is that it's okay to make mistakes. Don't try to aim for perfect, but do your best. And that each and every step of the production process, you have people that you can talk to and get support from. So the associate producers and making the talking points. Our host is also great at making people feel comfortable in the studio and establishing a rapport between the analysts. So I think that what I would say is that you'll you'll be fine. Experience in any case is always really helpful, whether that's getting better at researching, getting better at public speaking, and that our club is here to support you. Something that I mentioned back in the opener is that you not only do podcasting, but you also write. So where do you get the inspiration for the topics that you put in both of your articles and in the topics that you cover on the show? I think that I've always just followed my curiosity. I try to use the stories that I write and the people that I interview to feed that curiosity. And I realized recently that I suppose this is a form of networking, but for example, when I met this deputy director of the Wrangell program, I was just so curious because she talked to me about 
how she started her own podcast and how she wanted to empower forces that are left out often in the field of international relations. And I think I said, oh my gosh, I'd love to interview you. And I think it turned into just a really great conversation. I learned so much from from the insights that she shared. And I think it also in a way helped me too, because now I'm thinking about applying to this program and to other programs that she told me about. So I also just really like to learn. I think everyone has something to teach you and that I can use storytelling as a way to to keep learning and to feed my curiosity. Is there any specific fields or topics that you find yourself being curious in, or is it just like a general curiosity for everything? Oh, for sure. I think I love learning in general about things I don't understand. Specifically now, I decided this year to add a major in Catholic studies, and I think that studying the history of the Catholic Church and the history of diplomacy in the Holy See is really interesting for me. So that's something that I've been interested in. Also, in general, I I did a, a national security fellowship with Girls Security. They're an organization that provides opportunities for girls and women to learn about the field of security. And I really like learning about it. I think it's changed a lot of the ways that I think about international relations because when we talk about climate change and how that specifically affects women, we're not just talking about climate change. We're talking about human security. We're talking about climate security, security of women who are disproportionately affected by mass migration, by poverty. You know, I think that that's just super interesting. <laughs> it's it's helped change the way that I, I see the field. This is mostly something that I'm more curious in, but... Your major is international relations, but you also have a minor in journalism. You do all this content. And I believe when I looked through your LinkedIn, it was back in high school when you started doing journalism stuff. So why did you decide that your main course of study was going to be international relations and then journalism and Catholic studies? That's what, that's the stuff that those are going to be your minors. I always wanted to study journalism in college. Most of the schools that I applied to were communication and journalism schools, and I applied to maybe one or two <laughs> international relations programs. And I ultimately decided to come to Seton Hall because I wanted to focus more on learning diplomacy. I think I, I told myself, you know, I'll always have like avenues for storytelling and avenues for learning about journalism so I can find ways to bridge that with a more specific field of study, like international relations. I decided to study international relations mainly because when I was in high school, my dad's employer, they have a program where they connect employees' children to basically live and study abroad for a few weeks in the summers. So Santa Fe, which is the employer, they took me to places in France, to China one summer, to Spain another. And I think I learned so much about, it just really expanded my perspectives and it was so much fun. I really liked having kind of like the tough controversial conversations between, you know, my exchange friend who had opinions about U.S. foreign policy or opinions about U.S. politics. And I think that that really, I just felt like that was just so much fun to learn about. And it helped me find a love for researching because 
after those conversations, I would just go on my computer and search everything that they told me about that I didn't understand, and I would think about it. That's why I decided to study IR and focus on college and finding a way to bridge that with storytelling. So I want to thank you again for coming on the show today. I'm going to leave off with a final question, and that is, what are some of the best lessons you learned while creating your content? The first thing, and I've mentioned this a few times, but I think each person has something that they can teach you, and that storytelling is really, really powerful. I think there's a reason why, like, the Obamas founded Higher Ground, their, like, media organization, because storytelling, you know, on a micro level affects, yes, like, people's perceptions, might break down people's assumptions or biases, but at a macro level, it affects, like, policy, and it affects the way that powerful people can see the world, or I think just in general that I really love learning about in the Institute and at Seton Hall how to tell good stories and how to be a better listener. On behalf of everyone at the Pasita Leadership Institute, I'd like to thank the podcast team, 89.5 FM WSOU for allowing us to use their facilities and you for listening. Follow us online at www.shu.edu backslash leadership, on Instagram at Vecino Leaders, and on Twitter at SHU Leadership. At Seton Hall, we make leaders better.